And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 115 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Monday, January 25th, 2016. Well, the Super Bowl is set. The Carolina Panthers will meet the Denver Broncos. But since it's neither the Browns or the Cowboys, let's just move on from that, shall we? So maybe the biggest news of last week was Sarah Palin's endorsement of Donald Trump. Now, of course, you know we keep the politics out of PNR's This Old Marketing. So whatever you think of Mr. Trump, what was most interesting was the content of Ms. Palin's speech. And after all, we are a content-focused show, so, well, we just couldn't resist taking a look. It was really, if you look at it, like a Def Jam poetry session and kind of meeting the greatest hits of a country hoedown. All that was missing was the snapping of fingers for applause and maybe a good martini or a beer if you can see Russia from your house. Her poetry included stanzas such as, How about the rest of us, right-winging, bitter-clinging, proud-clingers of our guns, our God and our religion and our constitution? Tell us that we're not red enough? Yeah, coming from the establishment. Right. They stomp on our neck. And they tell us just to chill. Okay, just relax. Well, look, we're mad and we've been had. They need to get used to it. So not to be outdone, because we will not be outdone here at PNR, we've written our own Def Jam poetry-inspired, folksy best of Twittery bite-sized endorsement of PNR in the style of Sarah Palin. It's PNR, don't be mad or sad, get glad. It's just about the bestest of the bestest of American glory and the content and touchy-feely, hopey-changey, marketing-y, advertising-y, native-y thing. Just do it, because the pundits tell you to. Or because, like a pair of Levi's, Joe and Robert's quality never goes out of style. It just keeps energizing, you know, like the bunny. It's going to keep going and going and going, and we're clinging to our data and to our religion and our content marketing and all them building audiences. And it makes the social pundits mad. But like Mickey D's, I'm loving it. Opening happiness and that Coca-Cola bubbly Burger King have it your way with a rant like lamestream media off the snow runoff media. Opening that at the mouth of the stupid bloggy blog comments with the rants and the raves that make us feel like Porsche. There is no substitute. It's time to make America great again, folks, and that's why we need this show. There's no more pussyfooting around. Let me introduce the commander in general, the content statements of the content state, the man who can make marketing great again, Mr. Joe Polizzi. <laughs> what do you think about oh, that? Yes. That, that, you know, there's... Did you ever watch the show Three's Company? Of course. So I can't watch that show because usually after like eight to ten minutes into the show, Jack Tripper gets into some some mess, situation right. exactly. and yep. you know what's going to happen. And I right. literally have to leave the room. That's I'm I'm so with you there. I know exactly what so you're yeah, talking about. So yeah, you know about. that moment? And yeah. that's yes. exactly – I had the same feeling when I watched Sarah Palin give that speech. I just was like, it's, and it was, it literally, it, it was, it's it was performance art. It was performance art. It was watch. performance art. It was performance art. I know. It, it truly was. was. I, I, and I, and I just don't understand it. I just I, don't. There and was I'm no, not, under, not there is no understanding. This is not a political no, I know. thing. I just no, no, didn't get the whole thing. It didn't make sense. It didn't, I mean, you know, I mean, it, well, anyway, yes, exactly. I don't get it, but, um, but, hey. but it was great. But it's performance art. It's, it's, uh. It was, it was, you know, it was Def Jam poetry. I mean, some of that stuff was like, it just random words came out of her mouth, and it was fascinating. 
I don't. I don't think. No, I think she. I think she looked at her Google Analytics and looked at every phrase that has ever been popular and just strung them together. Good for her. <laughs> I mean, if they were trying to get publicity, they certainly got it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Well, you that's the there's, SNL. There's Did you see the SNL? It was um, fantastic. It yeah. was so good. This is where I got the idea, to be honest. I got the idea when I was watching SNL over the weekend. I was like, oh, that would make a fun introduction. The crazy thing with that Tina Fey impression is it, it's all, I almost have to do a double take. Yeah, no, she it's looks really so good. much like yeah. her when she yeah. dresses yeah. up and she talks like <laughs> when she goes to, when she starts doing the pew 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 pew, oh just my. kills me, just oh slays my. me. Uh, it just slays it's me. Terrible. So yeah, so so congratulations. I know, I know you you watched the the Patriots game. We won't talk much about it, but I know you were a little happy about that. So I, you know, I mean, look, I, you know, I, I, I there, I, I resisted tweeting that the Tom Brady revenge tour. He sort of mistook the whole revenge is best served cold um, to himself. He kind of misinterpreted that thing, but you know, I decided not to do that. But yes, I'm I'm not a huge Patriots fan, and so um, I was I was. And look, I'm more happy for Peyton. Quite frankly, yeah. I just think I want to see Manning go out on a high note. I think it's great. I you know he's gonna if he doesn't retire after this, then you know then screw him. Yeah, but you know it'd be a good way to go out. It'd be a great way to go out. Like the owner, uh, John yeah. Elway. Exactly. And, uh, and so there we go. So did, we had sort of a busy week of uh, It was news. a huge yeah. week, a busy week of news. And our first article comes to us courtesy of Business Insider. But, of course, just about every media outlet is covering this. This is breaking overnight over the weekend, certainly. Um, and um, the headline that I'm picking here um, is the revolving door of Twitter executives. But basically, um, it is five of top uh, executives of Twitter are leaving the company. And so Twitter's product head, Kevin Well, media head, Katie Jacobs, Stanton, senior vice president of engineering, Alex Rotter, or Redder, um, and vice president of human resources, Brian Shipper, and Vine head, Jason Toffer, all leaving the company. And so the mass exodus begins. Um, one person close to the situation told Business Insider, which is what we'll link to in the show notes, of course, is that... Rotter and Wells' departure were Twitter's decision, but another source said that they are both uh, not being fired, and so it's all a big bit confusing. Today, I just happened to check the stock price, and it's down now to all new lows again, bouncing around the seventeen to eighteen dollar mark uh, as we speak. So, what do you make of this, Joe? Is this the is the, is this the sign we were all looking for? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, as a um, as a Cleveland Browns and Cleveland Cavaliers fan, I am particularly well suited <laughs> to speak about executive changing uh, and funny. changes. <laughs> Just to put the football theme in there, I've got a couple. Um, well, first of all, this has already happened with Google Plus. So we, you know, we we've, we've talked about on the show. Obviously, don't build your content house on rented land. Be careful with these things and don't get too invested. Uh, with what happened with Google Plus and now and now with Twitter, I've got a couple. So, so there's four things that I think are going to happen. I'm going to share these with you. Yeah. First of all, I think this will be part of their pivot. Obviously, you've got the new CEO or the old new CEO trying to figure out if they're going to make it. They'll pivot. They'll actually make it. That's one scenario. Uh, I don't think that's likely. The second one is they get bought out and gobbled up uh, for their users and tech and become. Uh, an arm of something else, and that's kind of what you predicted, right? right. That, that they're going to get uh, yep. purchased by Google, I think, is what you that's said, right. and, that's and, exactly. and that could actually be. And now that they're relatively 
cheap, all things considered. Uh, you know, Google could could buy them up for for a couple pennies. Uh, number right. number three is they'll pivot on this and become a, a sustained smaller success. This is not going to be one of those multi-billion dollar amazing unicorns. I think they're going to settle into a business model, find their way, but it's never going to be kind of a Facebook uh, type success. <laughs> and then number four, yeah. which maybe a lot of people put odds on this, they become MySpace. So I don't. Those are <laughs> those are the four options that I'm kind of feeling out, and none of those really are things that a brand, uh, you know, content marketing group would want to take chances on. And I think you use it for how you use it today, and, and you just you see where they go. But this is just another move. I mean, I mean, the Browns, the Cleveland Browns, have done this multiple times in the last few years, and it still get the same stinky results. <laughs> yeah, so just right. because you switch exactly. your executives out, you know, of course, and and David Black was just fired yeah. as the Cleveland Cavs coach, winningest coach go. of all time in Cavs history, and he was fired. So, you know, as percentage, what are you going to do? And what do you think? <laughs> I think, I, well, I, I think the four options you lay out are good ones. I don't think the small, sustained success one is, if I had to pick one, pick one that was least likely, yeah. that's the one I would pick. Um, what, what, what really stuck out to me was who left. And, you know, when you when you lose your head of product and your head of HR and your head of engineering and you lose the media, which is ostensibly basically product development, it tells me that they have that 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 one, those five people know something and they clearly know something we don't. But more importantly, what it says to me is, is that the product is uh, is 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 it you know whether they left of their own volition or not the product is in disarray yeah and so they they either said we need to get out before you know while the getting is good or they were told the product is in disarray get out before we push you out and all of that to me tees up the basically with a big giant question mark over the product it tees up a perfect entree for an acquirer because they're not going to replace all those people overnight. I mean, those are smart, talented people, I will make the broad assumption. And they can't replace all those, especially, especially can't replace all those people because the head of human resources left. So they have nobody to hire anybody. So, you know, to me, it really speaks to either teeing up the company for sale or, it, it, or, or making it so obvious that somebody should come in and buy it. Uh, that it that that's that's the most likely outcome. Any, anybody who is used to going in and looking at buying and selling companies would look at this and say, "Well, we're on the clock right now. Like we're we're within three months of an announcement." Exactly. Well, the, you know, this is not to bring the football analogy back uh, yet again, but this is when you're on the clock and draft, right? I mean, the, you know, Twitter is now on the clock. Yep. And and it is now, you know, are they going to get drafted by another company or not? So yeah, is, so, so the, let's say that you're so you checked it, they're at 17 to 18 dollars whatever. They're they're languishing at all-time lows. They'll yep. get somebody to come in and offer them 25 to 28 dollars a share and that'll yep. be it. That's it. Yeah. That's exactly it. That's I mean it I mean, I would be shocked if that didn't happen in the next 60 days. I'm with you. I'm with let's, so let's let's mark the calendar for another this old marketing prediction. <laughs> we can just keep marking it. How we many just keep marking it out? This is like I think every episode this year we have some. Well, look here. Here it is. Here, I, it, if it happens in the next sixty days, I'm still going to claim victory because uh, you know, come on, give me February right of twenty. You know, because I predicted it in 2015, and if it happens in February 
of 2016. I'll give you the extension. I appreciate that. You you get the supplemental draft. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. (laughs) Now, if it doesn't happen until June, I will make the full caveat that I blew the prediction. We'll say you get it in the first quarter here. You're... You're good. You're good to go. Okay, thank you. Right. Thank you. I can continue performing can, on the show. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next. All right, moving on to our next story here. This one's fascinating because while one company is uh, seemingly flailing a bit, this IBM continues to make acquisitions in a really interesting way. So the this happened last week and was also covered pretty widely, although with the article we'll point to in the show notes is TechCrunch. Um, IBM confirms its acquisition of Ustream, and it forms a new cloud video unit uh, in the process. IBM confirmed that it has acquired video conferencing service Ustream, opens the article, with several cloud video acquisitions in tow. The company also announced it was forming a new cloud video services unit. Fortune first boarded uh, that Ustream purchase and reports pegged the purchase to about $130 million. IBM would not confirm that amount. So what say you, Joe Polizzi? Is this is this them coming in to compete with every other video provider out there, the, the Bright Coves and all them? What I couldn't... I did not realize this, but now it makes sense. 15 straight quarters of revenue decline for IBM. I know. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Uh... So the only way that they're going to grow is through acquisition until they find it. I mean, they, they don't have the business model of an Amazon or a Facebook or a Google that can just turn it around based on the current business model. They can't. Well, they have to look at faster right. growing markets. Yeah, well, that, and it's interestingly, and this, I, I, not to pimp my rave, which is coming later in the show, but this is, you know, this is where you know we constantly sort of are you know on the on this show we we talk about well long term vision and having patience and pivoting a big company i look at what ibm is doing right now as so gutsy what what it it seems to me maybe this is not true but it seems to me that ibm is trying to turn an incredibly large ship here and pivot into cloud services yep. cloud you know and really become a cloud company and as you do that, the acquisitions and the revenue models and the integrations and all of that is, you know, it's all in the execution, of course. But to me, this seems like it's a company in transition. So I kind of don't care that the revenue is down, although they're, you know, they're, they're meeting analyst expectations. Sure. But, but, you know, so it's to me, it seems like a company in transition and it seems like a company that, you know, they did it before. I don't know why they can't do it again. I think if you look at even in just our little content marketing ecosystem, they've got a lot of the pieces parts already. So they're going to add the, add the Ustream acquisition. They're looking at video. Uh, they already have obviously marketing automation and silver pop. Um, they're uh, obviously been in the data business for a long time. They're going cloud. Right. I would imagine the next transaction for them, even though that nobody else is talking about this, I would say Salesforce would be perfect. To come if they certainly would. What's what's yeah. that? I said it certainly would. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what they're looking at. So if you if they're really trying to move it, boy, they they should pick off Salesforce. I mean, hub, you know, even getting in into the HubSpot field, it would be would be good for them. Um, so yeah, they tend they tend to be more enterprise focused than they are SMB true. focused. Okay. And I know hubs I know HubSpot's trying to reposition themselves that way, but it's they the, it's sales Salesforce seems like a much more interesting acquisition but so from your standpoint what other gaps are there i mean they're they're coming into our i mean our area obviously with gusto as they should be 
I mean, what yeah. other areas do they need to go after besides cloud CRM and? Well, I think they need a content solution. I mean, their 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 web content management and digital asset management, especially the more agile, light versions of that. Um, you know, because they have, they would claim that they have a, a an enterprise oriented solution in what they call Wickham, um, which is a horrible name for WCM. Which uh, anyway, don't get me off on a yeah, rant there, exactly. but 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 it's but it's all it's you know it's not a great solution. It was a dinosaur when they launched it, and it is now sort of like a fossilized version of a Tyrannosaurus Rex, you know, sort of leaping out of the amber. Wow, there's a lot of metaphors in one sentence, but anyway. I think they need something like what Oracle is doing with their sort of cloud marketing solution. Although, weirdly, most of the big enterprise companies are really struggling with this. They're really struggling with the, um, other than Adobe, most of the big companies, you know, you look at Teradata selling or putting on the block their cloud marketing suite. You look at, you know, a a lot of the other big enterprise-focused companies really struggling to pivot and make cloud marketing solutions um, a viable candidate in, you know, in today's sort of basically hack it together, move it together, talk through APIs, you know, put, you know, put all these things together in sort of a best of breed way. It's a really interesting time. So I don't know that they're going to really come after the cloud marketing space in the same way that you see a Salesforce or a Oracle other than to buy Salesforce to provide enterprise level CRM, which you know that would be and at the in the cloud level, which would be great for them. Yeah, exactly. That's that when I when I read this article, that's the first thing I thought of was when would the Salesforce acquisition happen? Yeah, for, for whatever reason. So I mean, I th- I think that there's another prediction. I think in another six months we're going to see a, an IBM go out and purchase something else in our space. So. Yes, no, I think that's true. I think they've, you know, IBM is one of those companies that the article even touches on this. They don't, you know, they don't tip, you can see what they're doing, right? You know, you, you could you could look at the tea leaves here and what they've been doing over the last year as they've been putting together, you know, they bought that video storage solution and then they bought another thing with video and it's like, you could see that video was going to be a big thing and then this sort of is the capper, right? You know, so now they have the full-on video-oriented solution and so... I think if you took a good, long, hard look at IBM, you could probably even come to prediction about what they're going to do over the next, you know, over the next year or two. So they don't, they don't shoot from the hip much. They, 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 you know, I think it's a very slow and steady progression that they're going through. But, here. but I do just want to point this last thing out before we go on to the next story. Uh, they did twenty-two point one billion in revenue in the latest quarter. This acquisition was one hundred and thirty million. So right. Yeah, right. This that is was, nothing. That was right. a rounding yeah, error not, for IBM. That's right. That's right. If we could only They're, have rounding errors around here like that. <laughs> <laughs> IBM IBM is a big company yeah, exactly, is what you're saying. Exactly. They're a big yes. company. Yeah. And so, you know, it, predicting them is like predicting the future of a country. You know? <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> Which is, right. <laughs> So, all right. Moving on to our next story here. And this comes to us. And this one, well... This one is going to make both Joe and I sigh quite a bit. Um, so this comes courtesy of eConsultancy, and uh, gosh, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to say it. Just do it. So the headline is "Why Brands as Publishers Trend Is Utter Nonsense." There we go. All right. So if you're going to get our hackles up, that's a headline that'll get us 
hackles up. So this comes from eConsultancy, um, which is normally pretty balanced in the way that they present things. But this is really a rant, I think, more than anything else. And the author who writes it basically says, before a piece of marketing can have a chance of persuading anyone of anything, it needs to be seen. Um, he contends, the author does, that if being seen is a measure of success, there isn't a single successful brand-run content destination out there worth the resources being invested to keep it afloat. While we can't know the number of people seeing a given page without access to privately held analytics and data, we can use a proxy for this of links and shares which are available because those are accurate. Oh, boy. Um, Anyway, he goes on to say that there's really the emperor wears no clothes here. And because the content that you would look on everybody from Red Bull to anybody who's claiming content marketing or brands as publishers as a success doesn't have the requisite number of shares at the pop post level or links to that top post from an SEO perspective, um, and that means that content marketing is failing. It's a rather large leap of uh, conclusion to me of causation and correlation. Mm-hmm. But what say you, Joe? I mean, am I well, am I seeing nonsense where there is nonsense or not so, nonsense? So yeah. So so everyone should know that Robert and, and they and didn't I, publish your they didn't publish your comment, which was they didn't publish my comment, which I thought was strange. So I, I did yes. have a comment to it that I thought was was fairly eloquent but all i got was registered to e-consultancy <laughs> i got no comment out of it so thank you for that uh commentary there the a couple things now you and i like i just wrote the the article you know content marketing it's about to get weird it was on the content right. marketing institute site this week you, your e-newsletter came out with something similar talking about yes we are going to continue to see failures because there's still a good number of brands out there that are not doing it right Right and and ju- but here's the thing: just because a couple people aren't doing it right doesn't mean the whole approach is wrong. And we've talked about that on this program at nauseum. So right. so so that's one thing that they're making. And it was just it was interesting that uh, here's what I don't get: uh, when was content marketing about eyeballs? Just eyeballs, links, and shares. So I'm gonna well, re- never, but yeah, right. never. So that's the thing. So 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 basically makes makes the oh marriott versus the guardian marriott's not getting a lot of shares and they've been investing and all this they're going to be you know this content marketing leader and the 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 informational media source for their industry and then but look what they're not getting shared that much then look at the guardian they're getting shared a ton well first of all guardian's been around a lot longer than marriott i mean there's you can't do that you can't say it's apples to apples <laughs> anyways so this right. is the, the last two things i want to have a discussion about the the last two paragraphs that he he posts here this uh, this gentleman it says this post is certain to draw the ire of those with a vested interest in content marketing so before they start citing a few successful outliers in the comments i'd like to set a bar for anyone who wants to refute what i've said it's simply this if you work for a brand or an agency which believes there to be value in these efforts Please compile a list of your top 100 posts from last year that individually <laughs> right. received. Wait a second. I'm just getting yeah. started. Yeah. That individually received over 1,000 links from more than 100 domains that were shared more than 10,000 times on any combination of social platforms. That's basically what he's saying is success in content marketing. What? It's ridiculous. What? It's, ri- it's ridiculous. Here's the thing. Even if they were... 
Who cares? Right. Just because exactly. something's getting a lot of eyeballs doesn't mean doesn't it's mean for the anything. Brand. Right. I mean, if if I we mean, if you and I just want to go out and, and get something viral and get a lot of eyeballs to it, we could do it. It wouldn't be that actually. It's not that hard to get a lot of people to look at something, whether it's going to move the business or forward. link to it or link yeah. to it. Right. I, now, linking to it from a what was it a thousand different domains? <laughs> really? You know what? Really? I can you really? can get link. Yeah, really. You, you can really. You can get pretty. <laughs> you can get pretty creative and do some things on syndication that'll get you a thousand links, and and you can purchase some if you really want to. Right. But it doesn't matter. That's what I think. So here's the biggest frustration, and, and I'm a little frustrated by the article, but I'm not surprised because we see the content marketing is dead stuff all the time now. What I'm really surprised is the 40-plus comments that yes, were piling on. Yes, right. Like everybody's like, well, that weren't even, they weren't even that weren't even piling on as much as they were they were saying. Well, this article is really interesting. I think it's I think it's a refreshing approach to looking at like what what are they reading the same words that I'm reading? It's it, that's what baffled me was that there was so much, um, not even sort of not even not even support of the thesis which is just silly sorry it's just a silly thesis but it's it just basically it's almost like you know when you get spam on a on your blog and it's clearly like well this is an interesting post i'm going to have to pay attention to this in future dates yep. you know it's sort of just off english just a little bit but it's basically i'm going to have to pay attention to this thank you for such an interesting that was what basically all the comments were and that just it drove me nuts. I mean, as you got I, I, today, I went and reread the comments, the forty-two that are now there. There are there are at least forty-three. One of them hasn't been published by a guy by the name of Joe Polizzi, but <laughs> they blocked one, me. I read I read the other forty-two, and there was a couple of people who were like, uh, "Really, the thousand domains, the thousand links, and blah blah blah." And his his answer back is, "Well, that's what my clients are telling me." His in his social media agency in the UK, and so it's like great from his lens. This is what success looks like. God bless you. Go for it. I, keep keep trying for that like social media linking sharing as a method of success. Let me know how that turns out for the business because, quite frankly, I have bigger fish to fry. It- <laughs> I love it in the one part of the article. He says, "Now let it be clear. Now that we can stop just talking about the fact that uh, that all the you know content marketing experts say that people want to engage with brands' content. No, they don't. Nobody wa- you know nobody wants to engage in anybody's content. That's the thing. Yes. Nobody wants to engage right. in a media company's content. They engage in content because they think it's relevant and it's compelling to them. It's going to help them in some way, regardless of who it comes from. Nobody right. says, I want to have a relationship with the Guardian." It's really important and, to me. Nobody right. does that for any and kind of content. And it's exactly right. And here's – so, okay. So now in the full sort of transparency of sort of calling this out, he also takes a shot at CMI, which I think is both unfounded and and ridiculous, where he basically says CMI supports content marketing by providing listicle-type articles. Yes, we do have listicle-type articles, but any cursory Google search or search on our website would find tons of deep-seated blog posts about the value of content marketing. And it, it, that's, this is what annoys me the most about this article is the laziness. 
the laziness of not even doing or, or doing it and ignoring it. A cur- I did a here's here's I for an experiment. I pretended like let me think. I don't know about these things, right? Okay. So I did four, maybe seven, somewhere between four and seven Google searches over the course of about twenty minutes. Here's what I found. Craft drives four times more effective media buys using targeting and data accumulated from content marketing. Their total ad spend in 2013 was $680 million. That's $170 million of value if you believed it across their total ad spend. But let's just assume that it was only digital. Their digital spend was $35 million um, in 2013. So that's $8 million of value for the company provided by content marketing just on the media buying effectiveness of using data for retargeting. And there are other values that it provides. I found that in two articles in a Google search. Indium, the industrial soldering equipment, 700% more leads since 2006 when they started. Do we really think that they're so astronomically stupid that they would continue to do brand publishing for 10 years if it wasn't working? Or how about Clinipace, the medical device company? Their VP says 80% of leads and 50% of bookings come from content marketing. I saw another case study with page two on Google search that said they generated $68 million in sales from content marketing. Yiska Bank, third largest bank in Denmark, saving millions, their words, of dollars in sponsorships. By spending, by transforming their marketing into Yiska Bank TV, 24-7 broadcast media, the true definition of brand as publisher, would they continue doing this eight years later if it wasn't getting any traction? How about Demandbase, small company, B2B marketing software vendor, created their how-to-buy technology program across multiple channels, 1,700 leads, 125 webinar presents, uh, participants, and a million dollars in new business during their initiative that they created for that. Just a few companies that have quoted, that believe the content marketing and what they see and that and they see value in this approach, IBM, LinkedIn, OpenText, SAP, Xerox, Marriott, Coca-Cola, Microsoft, Oracle. And by the way, e-consultancy a year and a half ago wrote a post that said, here are the six case studies that prove the power of content marketing. That was from a cursory Google search that took me less than 20 minutes. And that's what annoys me the most about this article is that Believe what you may about the, the efficacy of the methodology that he's purporting here of links and social shares to not even acknowledge that there are companies that find value in this in other ways is just lazy. Sorry. Didn't mean to rant there. That's okay. <laughs> this is rant worthy. And, and the one – all great examples, by the way. And the one that they really hit on in the article was American Express Open Forum. And what's interesting about that one, that's another thing of just do the research. This is, it says, uh, American Express Open Forum. Uh, it manages 17,000 whatever shares on its top performing post, but averages a mere 200 shares per post. By the way, I think that's pretty good. Not bad. Across the 1,310 posts in whatever index uh, and go on and on. Now, what, first of all, who cares? I don't care. What, what you should say is, American Express Open Forum drives as many people signing up for American Express Open Cards as anything else that they do. Right. Anything else that they do, and they get it through this site. That's all I care about. Like, if you're a chief marketing officer, what do you care about the shares and the links? And all you want to know is, is it helping business? Oh, it is? Good. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's keep doing that. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. We only got 190 shares on that post. 
Did right. we get people signing up for credit cards? Yes. Well, they yeah, but that doesn't it. matter. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. Oh, we don't we care. It doesn't matter that down. it's saving us money. It, uh, it doesn't matter if it's saving us money or giving us leads or yeah. contributing revenue to the business. How many shares is it getting? I'm, so, I'm sorry, many? Bob. We're going to have to let you go. <laughs> Even though you're driving millions of dollars in revenue, you only hit it's, 190 <laughs> shares this month. Here's oh the door. God. And here's a shiny new American Express card for you. You know, <laughs> brick 'em, frick 'em. <laughs> Anyways, I think we spent enough time on this. Yeah, it's we just, have. It's just unfortunate. We're gonna, yes. get, you know what? Gonna be more of these every week. Of course, I mean, and you know, I I made a promise to a bunch of people that have called these out for us that we would be on top of it, that we would stop, you know, that we would stop sort of. You know, well, anyway, I don't want to go continue the rant, but but it's basically we're gonna we're we're gonna try and stay on top of it and 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 have a point of view on this. And you know what? Here it is. Ten, in ten years, tell us if we were. I'll, I'll be happy to be wrong. I'll eat my hat if we were wrong on this. And I just don't believe we are. Teaching and helping customers. I, I was just listening to something Marcus shared. Right. How can that be bad? Teaching right? and helping customers <laughs> right. exactly. never goes out of style. Exactly. It will be here forever. That's right. So anyways. All right. Moving along here to our final story of the show. This is from Gartner. And a really interesting post here. Um, 2016 predictions for smart marketing technology. Um, and this is a really interesting one, I thought. The, uh, the post opens up here by saying, in less than three years, advances in marketing technology will move beyond human intervention of streamlining and scaling activities that currently require manual interactions with audiences. Intelligent technologies, hmm, I wonder if there's a conference on that, will do more than automate repetitive operations. They will investigate, evaluate, and make decisions on behalf of both marketers and customers. These tools will provide machine-written, Verbal treatments for personalized messaging at very high volumes and billions of dollars of online shopping will be performed exclusively by mobile digital assistants. And then they go on to basically show um, these predictions. Um, I think there are five of them total. And um, there's some really interesting ones here that are about content. Um, the first one especially, content is automated and in tune with audiences in real time. So what would you think about these? Well, I actually, I mean, obviously I love this. Yeah. I think that... This, the, the source that they have, they say 70% of brand marketers are use automated decision engines. I, I think that's a little – that's probably true, but yeah, it's a little overstated yeah. there. Well, they, they, they have them. They don't use them. That, there you go. That's, that's probably yeah. a better way to put it. I mean, yeah. I mean, if we just go back to two years ago when you and I were you know, talking with uh, Ann Rockley and Scott Abel about purchasing Intelligent Content Conference, I mean, we could see that this is going to be the future, that more and more content is going to be automated. And, and as most marketers, as we know, that they're creating content, they're doing it in a very inefficient manner that's not keeping up with the needs of their consumers. So we're like, hey, Intelligent Content Conference – that's perfect. That we know that we're ahead of the game here, which in some cases, you know, you and I have been working on the agenda. In a lot of cases, right. we were way too ahead of the game because sure. they, you can't just say go be intelligent with your content. Go use mm-hmm. automated content processes right now. You don't have the teams, you don't have the processes, you don't have the culture to do that. So we almost had to take a little bit of step back and say, what do we need to get there? How do we plan right now? How do we look at our content strategy? What's the technology suite that we need to look at? And I think we're getting there. So I like the fact that Gartner's talking about this for 2016 predictions, but I don't think this is for 2016. I think this is yeah. This no, is I we're think starting. Right. We're starting yeah. on this journey. I think it's great. Obviously, we're focused on it at CMI, but um, yeah. So that I, I just think we've got a ways to go. 
I think you're exactly right. I think, you know, the, the, when I see the actual numbers of penetration of things like marketing automation systems and content optimization and personalization and, you know, so there are lots and lots of technologies that have this capability and many of the larger businesses especially have purchased them. But the number of businesses that are actually using the capabilities of those technologies for what they're intended for is woefully small. And that's not the fault of anyone, really. Um, it's a very, it's a very complex, a very difficult thing to do. And humans learn how to do slower than the technology is developed. And so I think the technology capabilities have far outpaced most of the business's capability of scaling to that innovation. Um, and in many cases, they just, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of execution there. I think that's likely to change, obviously. Um, and, but I think it's going to come slow. So I think, you know, I think really just exactly to your point, it's, it's the first steps first, right? It's easy to get caught up in the, especially in the inside baseball crowd here of what's possible and start to talk about what's possible and rather we should sort of take a step back and look at it as a marketing team, as a customer team, as a content experience team and say, okay, what's probable? What can we actually do? And let's, let's take this, you know, one step at a time. What do you think about the prediction for, um, to intelligent talent sourcing quickly gives marketers capability. And the whole idea behind this one is, is that, that they're saying this content marketing capability will, will be outsourced to vibrant freelance populations, third party sites, whatnot, so I think there's 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 two parties here. One is like your your Marriott studio where you're you're hiring people, you're building in this into the to the culture of the entire organization versus some other organization that's saying, "Oh, we're going to keep the strategy home and then outsource as much as we can." I mean, do you and by the way, there's there's all variations of that in in between. What what, sure. do, what do you think about that? I mean, is there, I think it's I I well, I think there's to me the trend points less toward the uh, affiliated sort of talent networks because I think, you know, ultimately elancing your way to this um, through, you know, through an, you know, an, an, a becomes, becomes commodity, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just a race to the bottom. You just, you know, what you're looking, and inherently because of the pressures on the business, you start looking at, you know, it's the, it's the classic, you know, guy sitting on top of the space shuttle saying, you know, isn't it funny that everything we're sitting on top of was provided by the lowest bidder. And so that ends up becoming a content strategy of sorts, which is if you build it on top of these freelance network, everybody you're building it upon was basically provided to you by the lowest bidder. And so, I think rather I, I agree with the sentiment of the prediction, which is that intelligent talent sourcing will help give way to access to freelance talent. But I think that freelance talent is not going to be something that is immediately scalable in the way that you know we might we might hire somebody to you know. In, in any event, I think I think the the successful companies that are going to hire freelancers and engage with freelancers, and maybe there's a network in front of that for the basically efficiencies of scalability of being able to build one organization and that organization. But I think the networks themselves really shrink and start to specialize and start to provide really specialized talent. 
to creating this content instead of democratizing it across wide swaths of talent and just getting you know the quality over quantity will win at some point and really the 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 goal will be where do you fall in that quality you know do you fall below the line of cream or do you fall into the you know uh in it below that no i think this will be yeah 2016 is really the first year in a long time where i think people are finally saying let's let's do the right content even if that means less exactly and, exactly. and that's let's good decide what not to do yeah. yeah and i think that's just a matter and even with the with the media companies i think you're getting to a point where how many more articles can the new york times put out right exactly I, and, and, washington right. post is i mean yes it's gotten them to a certain point but but after after 1200 articles a day is 1250 the number is it 1300 right. maybe it's 1400 so yeah yeah I, all right. Well, speaking of numbers and leveraging and talent, how about that for a segue? We have an amazing sponsor to continue to talk about. We do, absolutely. And thanks once again to this old marketing sponsor, Demandbase, uh, for coming to the table and, and supporting our show. We truly appreciate it. This week is all about account-based marketing. Uh, account-based marketing. Account- did you see the <laughs> somebody, tweets on that? Yes, I did. Somebody, somebody <laughs> did some. Somebody did some animated gifs, which were awesome. I know we were. Uh, yeah, we, we just couldn't get the song out of my head. No. Called the, the number one hit, account-based marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, fundamentals every B2B marketer must know. You can get to this wonderful piece of content at www.demandbased.com slash thisoldmarketing. That's demandbased.com slash thisoldmarketing. A little detail on this. Of course, B2B marketers face a wealth of challenges today. Even with all the marketing technologies helping to reach prospects and track results, most marketers end up spending their time focused on tactics for execution and not on strategies these tools support. Fortunately, there's a better path forward, and it's called account-based marketing. According to Serious Decisions Survey, 92% of B2B marketers go as far as to call ABM a must-have. Isn't that 92%? (laughs) A must-have. ABM. That's a lot. That's, that is a lot. That means, what are the other 8% doing? Is it a sort of half? Maybe? Yeah. Not sure. <laughs> in, the, in this ebook, you'll learn actionable insights on how account-based marketing will pull together those disparate resources into something that makes everyone at your company say, wow, while setting you on the path to a successful 2016. Thank you to Demandbase. Again, account-based marketing fundamentals every B2B marketer must know. Demandbase.com slash thisoldmarketing. That's fantastic. They're such a great sponsor. Thank you so much for that. And um, yeah, that's just a, it's just a wonderful, wonderful approach. And of course, all the rage these days. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for your favorite part of the show. In case you haven't gotten enough of us ranting and raving already, it is time for our rants and rave section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave on something that makes us feel, oh, you know, all hopey and changey and stuff, or something that makes us feel like, you know... We're about ready to uh, to burst. Did you see where he said he could shoot people? And now I don't know. No, no, no. Don't don't don't. don't, 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 Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) anyway. Um, So uh, let's see. I guess I'm. uh, You're first first. because you have you have this old marketing. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. I actually had two raves and a rant. I I actually think I spent too much time on the rant today. I'm just going to do two quick raves, and I'm going to send it on to you. One, uh, a rave for my my wonderful friends Ryan Hanley and Marcus Sheridan. Uh, they have a new uh, podcast, Blab, uh, called The Hot Seat. 
Uh, and, and actually, I wouldn't have known about it, but they were talking about uh, my latest article. So, of course, I have to figure out, find out what they were talking about. So uh, a few days ago, they recorded a, a podcast, Everything in Digital Marketing is Dead, on Blab. I was able to check it out today. Um, they just had some great th- thoughts on it. And what I liked about this is not that I want to send our listeners away because I definitely don't, but it, they have a very similar program as to we do robert where they go a little back and forth they have a take on the news they cover a little bit different things that we do but it's it's so if people like that sort of back and forth type of feel around marketing it's a really good show they've done a great job of we'll put it in the show show notes but it's called the hot seat and the second rave that i have is this is interesting you'll appreciate this this is from TechCrunch. it mm. says uh at davos Kevin Spacey predicts that tech oh firms will follow Netflix into media. I saw the picture for that, but I didn't read the Isn't article. That oh, something? I'm not, yeah, yeah. And I was actually thinking that he got this idea when we were talking to him at <laughs> Content Marketing yeah. World when he uh, keynoted a few years ago. But basically, here's what uh, Mr. Spacey says. He says, uh, in the next few years, Silicon Valley is going to, much, to be much more involved in content. I would not be surprised if a big tech company would buy a studio. It's what I thought a few years ago with Yahoo or Google or Netflix, those companies who have made a lot of money being a portal for entertainment. If they wanted to complete, to be complete, they would uh, have to start doing their own content. So I wasn't surprised when Netflix stepped up. I just thought that was an interesting prediction from uh, Mr. Spacey himself. And, of course, we predicted this as well. So now that, you know, nobody's listening to us. So maybe (laughs) maybe if Mr. Frank Underwood is saying it. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe people will start listening, but I just thought that that was interesting, and we'll put that in the show notes. Very, very nice. Very, very nice. Um, well, let's see. I have a rave, um, and it's—I just love this so I much. I watched so, it, by the way. Did you? Isn't I it did. great? Uh, isn't I'll he let great? You take it, but uh, it was unbelievable. It was. It's so really good. So he does that every year, by the way. Um, this is a—it's uh, uh, a YouTube video that we're going to link to in the show notes. Um, it is Professor Scott Galloway. If you don't follow Scott Galloway or you don't know Scott Galloway, he is uh, a professor of marketing at the NYU Stern School of Business, and he teaches brand strategy and digital marketing um, to MBA students. He's also done a bunch of stuff in terms of writing. He maintains a, a, a website where it's a thought, sort of a think tank around, and most of it's around technology disruption, the market, um, and you know, sort of bigger issues. He's you know than than sort of more micro issues around marketing strategy or anything like that. He looks at the big sort of as he calls them the four horsemen or the as the the four angels or depending on how you're. This is a 15 minute video that is a must see if you are in the business of digital and marketing and branding and the looking at the changes, the broader changes that are happening with digital and the disruption. It's a 15-minute masterclass. By the way, huge hat tip here to uh, my friend, Dr. Tim Walters, who pointed me out to the video. And by the way, go look at it quick because they took the first link down. So we're actually putting up a link that may end up going away. So go look at it fast. Um, Just a couple of notes from this uh, wonderful video. So Joe, just some stats here. Apple added... $51 billion in revenue last year, added $51 billion. So just to keep that in perspective, Nike grew $2.8 billion in revenue. Apple added $51 billion of revenue. I mean, that's crazy. Apple and Amazon together grew more than $65 billion. Amazon is responsible for half of all the e-commerce growth in the world. More households have a relationship now with Amazon than have cable. 
Um, by the way, they've now done studies where they looked at the Apple store in malls. Apple increases the mall's revenue by 13%. So he poses a theory. He says Apple can start charging malls now for having an Apple store within the mall oh, because they actually – it's that's, that's – Unbelievable, right? Some of the quotes that are just amazing here. He says, the advertising industrial complex is coming to an end, and the downstream service providers, the conglomerates, are about to take their turn at the woodshed. Basically, he 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 very much in alignment with me, or I'm in alignment with him, probably more appropriate to say, is the large ad- advertising conglomerates are about to sort of really, really suffer here in, in, in the coming future. As he says, the advertising, the house that advertising built was all about consumer products goods, yet he points out that last year, a hundred of the CPG brands, the top CPG brands, of the hundred top ones, ninety percent lost share, and sixty-eight percent of them had declining sales. Why? Because of niche products that are advertising and communicating to uh, markets in different ways. As he says, successes are the niches that are not advertised in the same traditional way. It's, I mean, one of those ways is content marketing for sure. As he says, and I love this quote: "Advertising is starting to become a tax only poor people pay." It's just it, it's just an amazing 15 minutes. There's a little bit of a thing he does with an Adele impersonation. Oh my gosh, that, that was funny. It's just so funny. It's just a great, great, great 15 way to spend 15 minutes. Could not rave about it higher. And um, and just his thinking in general is just really, really great. Um, so yeah, so that's my rave. I, you know what? I love the prediction about Amazon buying Macy's. Oh, it's such it basically a, it, said yeah, in the next three years, yeah. 50% of Amazon's revenues will be uh, bricks and 50% will be e-commerce. That's right, and they're just going to, and it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it makes and, total and of sense. Of course, uh, we know that Amazon just opened their first real store. Yeah, uh, and it's just a matter of time now. They're just, I, there's so many things when you watch this, you're like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Like, yeah, I, I mean, the guy never really. takes a breath. The guy has 15 minutes, and it's like. It just runs together. It's like one long sentence for 15 minutes. Oh, it's just, he was totally out of breath by the end of it. Yeah, you I can to- see. Totally yeah, must, yeah. must watch thing. Yeah. And thanks for Great passing watching. that on. That, that was totally valuable. It was great. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess now it is time for the namesake of our show, This Old Marketing. And you have the example. I do. Week. You know, this was an interesting one. Uh, I talked about this a little bit in, in my last book, Content Inc., but I wanted to share it here because I know we haven't shared it on the show. So, you know, good friend of my, friends of mine, Scott McCafferty and Mike Emick, uh, they found they, I worked with them at Penton and they they left in 2006. I, I left in 2007. They left before I did. And they started a media company called WTWH. And they're growing super fast. You know, Inc. 5000, four time Inc. 5000 honoree. They're doing great. Uh, they basically are in the design engineering field with a bunch of media products. And what I love the most about it, actually, Scott presented last year at Content Marketing World about how to buy a media company. If you're going to go out and buy a blog or buy a community, and he basically talked about his methods for you buying this company. And the backstory to this is brilliant. So, so basically, Scott was trying to grow his company, and he's just looking for advice out there. And so as the business grew, Scott often referred to business advice he received from David Murdoch. If you don't know David Murdoch, he's chairman and CEO of Dole Food Company, multi-billion dollar Dole Food Company. And in a social meeting with Mr. Murdoch, Scott asked him how he bought and sold companies. And Murdoch stated that he simply made a list of all the industries in which he wanted to acquire a business and a list of companies he wanted to purchase. Then he would call each owner 
and ask if he or she wanted to sell. Some would say yes, <laughs> and some would say no. Now, for Scott, so applying Mr. Murdoch's advice, Scott made a list of websites and technologies that WTWH covered. He then emailed the owners asking if they would consider selling. And over an eight-year period, WTWH has identified and negotiated five transactions applying this very, very simple principle. And along the way, recognized a certain mix of common ingredients within each transaction. And there's two things. First is, typically the sites were community-based with an active user group. And second, they were owned and operated by a single operator who viewed the business as a hobby. Hmm. And the reason why I list this is... If you were interested in doing something like this, it's basically just your time and effort to do it. And you could follow right, Scott's exactly. model. And we've talked about it forever. And obviously, we've uh, we've totally stolen Scott's method at, at Content Marketing Institute. <laughs> exactly. We've done it three times ourselves. And it's worked out very well for us. And we continue to look at opportunities. But that's why I think you know both of us are so gung-ho over the opportunities to, to look at, you know, Buying, purchasing bloggers, the, blogger sites, small media companies. Because if there is, it's the fallacy that big only big companies can do acquisitions. I think that's why people don't think about it. Small yeah, companies exactly. don't think about it. Actually, it's a lot easier for a smaller company to do this because you don't have to go through yeah. any red tape. That's right. And the, a lot of these deals are actually five five figures or low six figures that that right. any small business with with some R and D development money can do. So. Anyways, I just thought that that case from Scott so fantastic. Is, is wonderful, and that's our uh, this old marketing of the week. It's it's a great example. It's a, it's a great example, and what I love so much about it is that it's it 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 again illustrates this idea that it doesn't have to you know you there are not two choices here, right? It's not either grow big and spend a ton of money at it, or do it in a tiny little way that you know only you know only takes up ten percent of your time. It, there is there are numerous ways to get into this in 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 meaningful ways that small businesses solopreneurs basically anybody with a little time and effort doing something like this can 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 really manage i mean we're living proof of that we're well living that's proof funny because that. when i when i share this and and you know as part of my epic content marketing presentation this was element five because i go through right. the buyer yeah, build scenario yeah. and i say absolutely you can do the first four steps i talk about and build this whole thing or you could buy and i go through this and everybody you know i get people coming up to me afterwards saying well shoot we're a small company and i said so are we Right. So, so exactly. What? What? I said, and then I then they say, you know, I said, how big are you? And they go through, and I said, well, you're bigger than us. And we've done it three <laughs> yeah. times. So what's your right. excuse? Exactly. So anyways, <laughs> right. So what? What do you got going on the rest of the week? Uh, oh, I leave crazy for, busy. I'm crazy busy. It is a good. It is a good beginning of the year. I'm crazy busy finishing up um, some consulting engagements, and I head out tomorrow to New York City. Um, thankfully, after the Snowmageddon uh, 2016, and we'll be doing a workshop there for uh, a company there in the city. And then I'm home on Thursday, and then uh, back out on the road, headed to Cleveland. Dun dun dun. The week after that, to see you. Actually, that's right. We're doing a little recording. I think. Yeah, I'm we're going to do a little recording. We are. It's going to be fun. For it's going to be fun. Perfect. Yeah. And then I'm and I'm saying, and you know where I'm at. I've, I've been working, of course, by the number of emails that I've been sending you on Content Marketing World. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm heads down with Content yeah. Marketing World Agenda. Uh, we probably have 50% programmed already. Uh, we do a lot early. I mean, we, we, we do programming so much earlier than most of the other events. It's sort of a secret of ours. Uh, and uh, and trying to get that locked down, and we're just we're excited. The 2016 event's going to be fantastic. oh, it's going to be. So. Co- I know some of this. I know some of the little 
ins and outs there that made the surprises that may be coming and that's it's gonna be good it's gonna be good all right ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for tuning in that is it for episode 115 for joe polizzi this is robert rose signing off and you know do tweet us up at the hashtag this old marketing we do love those story ideas send them on because we need them we need those story ideas for the show because quite frankly we're lazy um and you know if you've got a question you can also send an email to this old con uh, this old marketing at contentinstitute.com and if you like this episode number 115 by the way we do hope you'll consider subscribing on itunes or stitcher.com all the links we talked about today will be in the show notes that accompany the show on monday night and then of course in the full blog post that appears on thisoldmarketing.com in the show post on saturday until then everybody it's your story to tell tell it well we'll see you next week on this old marketing is part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.